0: Today on the show, I'm talking with Laura Zhao, the founder of Henne Organics, a natural and effective beauty line packaged with some impeccable Scandinavian design. After launching a web design and development business, Laura branched out to design the clean beauty items she wanted to see out in the world. We explore talking directly with customers, following natural inclinations, and learning to not be so hard on yourself when launching a business. As always, thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Where Where are you based out of?
1: Yeah, so we're based out of Wilmington, North Carolina.
0: And and what originally brought you to Wilmington? <laughs> uh,
1: so Google, and I'll elaborate a little bit on that. Uh, so prior to that, we were in Vegas, my husband and I, as well as our business. And Vegas was also super random, by the way. Also, didn't know anybody <laughs> uh, living in Vegas. Uh, you know, um, I'm not a great like a spokesperson for Vegas because even though I lived there for six years. And I do really appreciate it being very like small business friendly. Don't get me wrong. It's a super sketchy city. <laughs> <laughs> it's really sketchy. Uh, so I've, I've experienced a lot of odd things there. Uh, nothing terrible. Just you just see the craziest stuff and you just kind of get used to it. But anyways, uh, at that time, this is 2019. Uh, so our business, we do everything in-house. So our, our commercial lease, we had about a year left, and so my husband and I were talking a lot. He's also my business partner. These, um, and we were just like, okay, it's kind of now or never, in the sense that Vegas was supposed to be a pit stop. We were supposed to be there six months. Prior to that, we've been boun- like we've been bouncing around a lot, not so much in the states, but abroad. And so we'd been lit- averaging about a year and a half at the most per country we've been in. So we thought Vegas. You know, by the time we moved back to the states. We already had sold everything years ago. So we just had clothes on us. We had our like five suitcases, the two of us. And so we were like, okay, we'll just stop here. You know, we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be your six months. But then Henna happened and that came kind of came out of nowhere. And then because of that, we were there for six years. But um, at the five-year mark, we just knew that, you know, once again, I still have really good friends that live there. i have not tried to crap on it too much, but we knew that this was not going to be our long-term home one of the primary reasons is that the desert and I do not get along. It's too dry. It's too hot. Um, I'm always dehydrated. And I just don't think my body's meant to be there. Whereas, you know, some of our employees before they were born and raised and they had no issues. But if I didn't have like a big glass of water every hour, I literally felt like I was going to pass out. Uh, So, but anyways, didn't feel like that was for us, so we started googling things like criteria we wanted because we're like, okay, it's going to be pretty expensive to move because we need to move our whole business. So uh, this needs to be worth it. We wanted to be close to the water again because prior to that, we'd been close to the water for a long time. We uh, lived in Stockholm, we'd lived in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, Melbourne, etc. Uh, but we wanted some place that was relatively affordable because most beach or you know coastal cities are really expensive, and when you have a job and uh, if you're fortunate enough and you get relocated, they usually pay you according to, um, you know, similar to the cost of living there to make it affordable and competitive. But when you own your own business, there's that, that doesn't exist. So wherever you move your business, the costs are just going to be a lot higher. You know what I mean? It's not like they, yeah, yeah there's no offsetting it really. So it w- couldn't be too expensive. Um, no winters. My husband is a Swede. I've lived in Sweden. We don't like winter. So mm-hmm. no winters. Uh, not too hot or too humid because I'm a mosquito magnet and they literally eat me alive. So that canceled out Florida and just two, like the two, too hot regions. Um, and literally Wilmington, North Carolina popped up. And my husband, you know, being Swedish, she's like, there's got to be one, you know, more than one place in America that fits all the criteria. And I'm like, not according to Google. So we booked tickets to Wilmington. And this sounds bad because now I live here, but before that, I actually didn't, I'd never heard of it. I had heard of like briefly heard of Wilmington, Delaware, but I actually never heard of Wilmington, North Carolina. So it was just really new for all of us. We booked tickets. We came here. I think it was like October, 2019. Uh, I wasn't that impressed the first day because I made the mistake of, I booked this really cool Airbnb, this all black house that looked modern and everything. And I was like, oh, it's such a steal. It's so cheap. Yeah. Because it was in a really shady part of town. (laughs) really shady. People told me that afterwards because I literally didn't feel safe in the middle of the day. And they're like, Oh yeah, you picked like the worst part of town. That's where all the drugs come in. I was like, Oh yay, Thank you. Uh, so the first day I wasn't that impressed, but then we went to the beach. We actually went to, there's a lot of beaches here. We went to Carolina beach the first day. And as soon as we got to the beach, I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like I'm set. We can move here. Like that's enough. So we, planned it out and covid happened and that was unexpected and so it just it made it harder to move. but it also was just because a lot of people ended up uh, moving to moving further out uh, around the same time so just it was just a little bit tricky but um i mean it's just logistics i mean it's not a big deal at the end of the day you know what i mean the trickiest part was actually hiring from scratch uh, not that we wanted to, we made we actually let our employees know months, like several, like several months in advance. We wanted to be upfront with them. Uh, we offered people, you know, raises and everything, but we also understood that we're asking them to move from Vegas to a city that half of my employees thought was in the Midwest. So I'm just saying, like, no one has any family or friends in that area. I actually am from the Midwest. So one of the girls who shall not be named. Uh, she was like, oh yeah, but that's in the Midwest, right? That's like right in the Midwest. I'm like, no, it's not. And she like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in the Midwest. I'm like, I can promise you it's not in the Midwest. But yeah, I don't think you know anybody there. And she's like, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, so we knew they weren't most likely not going to come with us. Uh, so the hiring from scratch part was tricky in the beginning, especially during COVID and just everything. Um, but once again, I'm not, I'm not like an eternal optimist, but I just think that if you just focus on a certain task at hand, you will get it done one way or the other. you know it can be more difficult. it can be less difficult, but there's always a way, almost always. So we figured it out. and here we are. So
0: have you enjoyed moving around so often? like and and what uh, what's your professional background before launching the brand and uh, that made it possible for you to move so often and also internationally?
1: Yeah, um, I'll try to keep that part as <laughs> condensed as possible. Uh, my husband and I actually met each other uh, was over 16 years ago, uh, playing professional table tennis. Oh, <laughs> so wow. my husband was on the, the Swedish men's national team, and I was on the U.S. team at that time. Uh, and the reason I mentioned that is just because every nothing in our shared relationship has ever been conventional or normal, I guess. And then we were long distance for four years. Um, and then I moved to Sweden. And so initially me moving to Sweden, I, I learned quickly that everything I had gone to college for, was because I studied broadcast journalism at uh, University of Missouri, Mizzou. And I learned that that is completely useless when you move to a country and you cannot speak their language. And when you try to, you have the thickest American accent possible. And you have the vocabulary of a four-year-old. Uh, so. I started taking Swedish classes, but around that same time, my husband was actually contemplating retiring early. Even though he was not even at his peak, I think he just always felt that he wanted to start pivoting and doing something beyond sports. He didn't want to compete for another five, six, seven years because, as an athlete, regardless of which sport, uh, your body takes a wear and tear, and at, at, you know, you just you have an expiration date. He never wanted to you know, become a coach or, you know, do something like that afterwards, he felt like he just wanted to try something new, try something different. So he decided to retire early. And then, so we both talked about it and we, um, kind of just discussed like, okay, well, <laughs> I was like, I don't have the skill set right now from what I studied to get a pretty, you know, to get a good job. And I said, and my husband has been keep like doing sports his whole life. He never went to college. We're like, we need to pick up some skills. Uh, and if we want to move around or travel a lot, like we need to figure out a way to pay for that. Uh, so uh, my husband, that was like Christmas 2011. He literally stopped by a bookstore in Sheffing, Sweden. It's a town of 20,000. His family still lives there, his mom. And it was a programming book. And it does kind of run, I feel like with the men in his family, they're, they're, um, his his late dad, as well as his brother, they all kind of work worked or work with that. Something similar. And so he picked it up really quickly. And then I started teaching myself uh, web design and graphic design and branding and just through the internet. And of course, I'm not saying that anybody can learn anything, but of course, if you have a natural inclination, if you're naturally um, better at something, that you will learn quicker. And you'll probably, if you put in the same effort as someone who's trying just as hard, but maybe doesn't have the natural talent, you'll probably just pick it up faster. Uh, and so he was naturally good at programming. So he studied that and I studied my thing. And then we have a third guy named Daniel. And the three of us decided that we wanted to uh, start our own web development company. And Daniel had previously worked for this company where we basically kind of... We overpromised a little bit because none of us had any previous clients. But we were basically offered to take over everything. Uh, So they were, they were, the two of them were offering to build a business and service system for them. And I was offering to design it and do some other things for them. And thankfully we worked our butts off and we over-delivered and uh, within the deadline, actually we did, I think we did it early. And, but that was a great big client for us because it paid really well. And so right off the bat, that afforded us to go to the first stop, which was New Zealand. And that um, my husband and I and Daniel, none of us had ever been there, but uh, the two of them were like, well, you know, Lord of the Rings, those scenes that they filmed, I think they filmed it there. Hopefully it's not CGI, but it looks really pretty. And I was like, yeah, sure. I was in my early twenties. We sold all our stuff. Uh, and I used to be a maximalist. So that was very hard. I couldn't actually sell everything. I had to give like, I think I had like eight to 10 black trash bags full of stuff. I had to just give away to Salvation Army, other types of charities. Uh, because I just had, I just, I was like, a, I was, yeah, I accumulated way too many things, but anyways, we managed to go to New Zealand. And, um, one thing I learned, you cannot book a one-way ticket to New Zealand. <clears throat> they will not let you on the plane. You need a return ticket. Didn't know that. Uh, so we were at the gate in Sydney and I couldn't get on the flight and I was had really bad airport Wi Fi, And I was trying to book tickets from New Zealand to Fiji just so I could get on the plane. We managed to do that. And then we lived in Auckland for a year and a half we we were renting these like a uh, not the there were nice apartments but didn't have any character like these corporate furnished apartments in the like central business district of every city because that's how we could get away with not having anything on us right like we didn't buy anything uh we just brought clothes and it was really fun and then after that we bounced and we went to melbourne for about 10 months we would have stayed longer but new zealand is much easier to apply for certain visas as a foreigner and when we were in Melbourne, we could have stayed there more than a year, but we just realized that if we really wanted to continue conducting business, that we needed to pick a country that one of us was from. So then we went back to Sweden for a little while. and before that I had also been living in Sweden, sorry for a year and a half for forgot to mention that part. And then prior to that I had been traveling um, doing living in Sweden for bits and periods of time and then we moved so we went back to Stockholm for a little bit. and then we moved to. States and ended up in Vegas, and that was not very condensed. But yeah, and oh, uh, oh yeah. So what we did before—that's actually what paid for all of that—was just um, essentially trying to learn new skills, not on the fly, in the sense that we both did put in a ton of effort. Uh, this was one of the nicest periods of my life uh, after college for about a year and a half. I got off all so- social media. I d- deactivated. I stopped watching TV. And I just read books and I just learned things online for a year, year and a half. And yeah, you, you, you have so much time all of a sudden you start cutting those things out. So, um, but yeah, that's the basic gist.
0: How how did the idea for the brand come about and what was the initial way that you even started thinking about launching it?
1: Uh, So that I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be, I'll give you the most blunt and, honest answer because every brand is different and some of them have these very uh beautiful stories where they were you know i don't know meditating in a forest and it just came to them that is not me i you know i love i love uh, trying to meditate i use headspace but i'm not very good at it uh, so what actually happened was um, prior to living in vegas starting about 2009 i did become very very like interested and passionate about um trying to eat better and trying to eat cleaner um, I it was actually, because while I was working and broadcast, I, it was a slow news day and I was in Missouri and they sent me to a, a tomato farm. And I was just thinking like, did I do something wrong? Like, why do I get to have to, you know, get sent to the tomato farm? It's just a slow news day. So I got sent to tomato farm. I did my best, try to make it interesting talking to this tomato farmer. I mean, I love tomatoes, but yeah. Uh, but anyways, something he said to me, um, he kind of said it to me and he laughed and like looked at me as if I was a naive child. Cause I just asked him, I was like, yep, yeah, but since you're a farmer, aren't, aren't, isn't everything organic? Like everything you get at the farmer's market is organic. That's just what I thought. I literally laughed a little bit and smiled at me. Like I was really naive. And he said, no, he said, unless it's explicitly stated, he's like, everything is genetically modified. And he said, you know, these tomatoes, they're modified to last up to three months. And I was just like, uh, And so that kind of just blew my mind. And so I started digging and I kind of just did a 180. It's also my personality type. If I decide to do something, I just kind of go all in and it's not that difficult once I do it. Uh, So I just uh, changed, started changing my eating habits. And then I started after a couple of years after that, I just started trying to start using products that were cleaner, you know, and there weren't a lot of options at that time. If there were some, they just didn't it was just a long time ago and it was very early stages in green beauty. So either it didn't work at all the products and they were natural or it kind of worked and it just was incredibly frumpy looking and so ugly that you would probably take it and pour it into a different container and then recycle that. It was just very, I understand eco, but it doesn't need to look like you actually scraped it off a tree. Do you know what I mean? And then wrapped it and put a bow on it and like, Hey, buy it. Uh, and so, but at that time once again I was in my mid 20s the early 20s and mid 20s and not coming from that industry having no experience I just assumed that oh not that it's a pipe dream but maybe when I'm maybe in 10 years maybe when I start building more work experience start saving some money this can happen and then thankfully with that type of work that we were doing we were able to start saving money and then a few years down the line and then we moved to Vegas we were still doing the same thing and um we got pretty gnarly lips. The the desert I was telling you about was really dry. It's just another beast. I'm not going to pretend like there was no lip balm on the planet that existed that worked. It's not true. There were some and they were natural and I tried them and they worked okay. They didn't work great. Um, And then the ones that worked better just looked really bad. And as someone who loves, I guess, beauty or aesthetics, and that might sound superficial, but That love and appreciation happened because when you live out of suitcases for several years, you really start to appreciate everything you own. You can't be wearing colorful clothes all the time because then people are well. You can, but as a you know, as a woman, people you'll notice that people probably think that you own three outfits because you wear something red. You know, you just you can't own that many items. So I just naturally started focusing on. I wanted everything I owned to really be high quality and to make me happy, and that was everything from my clothing to my you know my beauty products and everything. I wanted to be proud of it. You know, definitely quality over quantity across the board. And I don't know if you can tell by my house these days, but I don't have a lot of stuff, like to this day. I just don't have a lot of stuff. Um my mother-in-law would joke if she comes to my house, she'll go, you she's like your house echoes because you don't have enough things. But I just like things neat. Uh but anyways, um so we started making a lip balm in the kitchen. And at that time we were working out of a tech co-working space in Vegas. So we are just giving them out mostly to our guy friends. I specifically remember these really ugly blue jars that I bought on Amazon just so I could put them in something. And these are no offense, uh, you know, typical guys in the sense that they don't spend money on beauty products. They don't care. And they're just like, if it works, it works. And they were raving about it because they were not, a lot of our guy friends were not taking care of their lips. They were getting cracked lips and all this stuff. And especially one of my guy friends, remember he was texting me all frantically excited because he had a huge cracked, um, like big crack on his lip. And after a couple of nights, it was almost gone. So he thought it was like freaking magic. And I was like, no, it's just a lot of shea butter. But anyways, we knew that it worked. And so at the same time, um, I decided I wanted it to be as natural as possible. I wanted to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. So I wanted basically the the idea was, okay, I want to create a brand that looks as high end, as beautiful um, as possible. I want it to look like your Tom Ford's, your Dior's, your Chanel's. Not like them, but, you know, in the same category of luxury, but we just happen to be organic. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the, just the only focal point, but I understand that I'm obviously not Kim Kardashian. Once again, don't have those connections, not from any of those you know, industries. So I knew that I needed to earn the consumer's trust. So I applied for USDA organic certification while we were basically getting our company together. And uh, it was funny because they had to certify us before we started. And at that time, we hadn't started yet. So someone flew in from Hawaii and she came to my kitchen. And the certification, the pre-certification was so simple because I was like, uh, oh, I think I'm going to end up using the spatula. This is the pot I think I'm going to use. Here's my stovetop. I was like, I might use this spoon. I might use a different one. I haven't really figured it out yet. But I'll be using a metal spoon, and she was like, "Yeah, next year is going to be a lot more complicated." But yeah, this year I'm just, yeah, they just did that, and then we launched the lip balm. Oh yeah, and then we saved a lot of money because of our combined skill sets. So uh, with the packaging design, with the website and everything, my husband built the site. I designed it. I designed the packaging. I did hire someone initially to design the packaging. Uh, he is. It was someone I found from New York, and he he is a really good designer. It just sometimes when you describe something to someone, it's kind of hard to convey it. I, for example, I said I wanted womanly, but not girly. And, and so he, the packaging I got was, in my opinion, actually hyper masculine. You know, it was black and white, but to me it screamed like very, very masculine. And that wasn't really what I was looking for. So I just did it myself. And to this day I'm still doing it, but it's more because I think it's fun. Um and then we started with the one jar lip balm and we did uh we did um bootstrap. So there's, and to this day, we're still self-funded and that's by choice. There's pros and cons to both. Um, and we actually made it a little bit like a challenge. Like, can we, can we launch this brand uh, under six grand? And that included everything, USDA certification. And we came in around five uh, and that was really fun. So, um, and once again, I'm, we are for, we were very fortunate, even though we were bootstrapping that we did have other avenue of work that we were able to save some money. And the first year we were still doing a little bit of work on the side because that was what was paying the bills because we could not live off of this the first two two and a half years um and then yeah here we are how did you okay.
0: how did you start selling the product once you had the lip balm and developed the site and brand and everything did you was the main channel for sales online at that point
1: no it was not uh so i tried hiring a sales rep that had reached out to me which didn't work out that well right from the start. And I think that was such a blessing because I didn't have anyone else to turn to, to get into, you know, stores. So I just started cold emailing cold calling didn't work as well. I learned because at least a lot of the boutiques I was calling, I couldn't get the decision maker on the phone. It was a receptionist or, you know, <clears throat> whatnot. And I knew that our products are beautiful and that they worked really well. Sorry, Mike, i just gonna have a sip of water. This is my fault because I drink I drank coffee before this and you know it makes your throat a little I did bit the itchy same thing. <laughs> uh, I also noticed that my face looks like I got burned on camera that would be the lighting just so you know I am not tomato we're not normally. gonna use
0: we're not gonna use um, yeah I was like you know, for anything I'm, so
1: I'm normally like olive since I'm Asian I'm normally more olive skin tone and not like tomato um but sorry back to what, what I was saying
0: uh, oh, yeah. You hired a sales rep.
1: Oh, yeah. And then so I just I started cold emailing myself and I just started pumping out a lot of emails. I started compiling uh, different email templates, kind of like A-B testing and seeing what where, what garnered um, better results and which ones didn't. And I just kind of tweaked. And so it, it wasn't that it was just purely a numbers game. I wasn't applying or reaching out to retailers where I didn't think it would be a good fit. But I still wasn't really sure at that point. Because for example, um, I thought that like certain types of super high-end clothing boutiques would sell us really well. And I actually learned that I'm wrong about that. Because unless they actually have a dedicated apothecary or beauty section, you typically don't sell that well because the average customer doesn't walk in with the mindset of wanting to buy beauty products. So things you just don't know. But I was contacting all of them. And I think just being scrappy and also maybe being a little bit naive, not really knowing how things work. There was one retailer we got into, uh, an indie boutique, that was really hard to get into. And I didn't know that. I found out like a couple of years later that some of my friends said it took them years to get in. And that was one of our first retailers. It was just because I contacted them. I wasn't doing it in an arrogant way. I was simply asking nicely if I could send them samples and gave them a link to our website and our social. And so um, that's kind of really how it started. And then it was pretty much just me doing sales like the first year and a half to two years. And it wasn't it wasn't fun per se. Um, but, you know, cause like sometimes I woke up and I'd have like 40 or 50 rejection emails. It's not the funnest thing to read. And some of them were not very nice to me, not because I wasn't nice, but because they thought I was very unimportant and they thought it was kind of cute or funny that I was reaching out and i'm not going to name any names because i don't hold i don't hold grudges and you can't you have to have thick skin and some of those people that weren't that nice to me they're my retailers now and they're some of my best retailers that's why i do not name i'm not a snitch like i don't name any names but this one i will mention which i will not mention who it was they had <clears throat> they responded to me but they, i guess they had 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 a, like a little email chain between them a few people at their company and they didn't realize that somehow that had gotten added you know sometimes you Ford emails or whatever you respond. And they didn't know that. And I had seen in their previous emails that they were just making fun of me. They were just mocking me. They thought it was so cute that I would reach out to them and they all did not. Um, they misread my email as well. So they um basically called me white trash, which I thought was funny because I'm not white and I don't even it just didn't make any sense. But I think they just read something at the top, and then we are like a Swedish American inspired brand. And so, anyways, yeah. Just those things would happen occasionally too. And of course it's not fun to read that, but once again, it's like, you know, am I really going to let it affect me to the point where I'm not going to keep pushing forward? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. people can be rude sometimes, but like it's life. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, people should say things where they shouldn't. Of course, some, those women shouldn't have said that, but it is what it is.
0: And How so I just keep you- moving forward. How, you said that you do everything in-house. Did you, did you um, end up doing production on the product and, and continuing to develop product on your own?
1: Yeah. So to this day, we formulate in-house, we produce in-house, we pack and ship in-house. Almost all of our sales is still done in-house. Photography is not done in-house. I work with the, a couple of wonderful photographers, and they are not in-house. Um, but yeah, it is. And it's pretty special. Like there's pros and cons, once again, to everything, but there's some fantastic pros to doing it in-house if you're able to and if you're willing to. I wouldn't say necessarily it's more work. It's just you can't you can't like you can't be gone all the time. I'll say it like that. So one of the pros is that if there's any issues with ingredients, let's say one ingredient shows up, natural ingredients can vary. And let's say a sea buck corn oil that we have, let's say it shows up and the color's a little bit off. We'll know the day it arrives. My production manager will go up to my husband or ask me, and what do you think about this? And we'll figure something out. You know what I mean? One of the downsides when you outsource your manufacturing is that um, you have to make sure that you ha- find a great manufacturer, like where you guys are on the same page. Because what can happen, and has happened to some of my friends, as I'll use an example, you have 20,000 units. And that's not even a big production run for them. That's like chump change. But let's say for you, you're a small brand and they do a run of 20,000 units and ingredients vary. And actually, and you also might not even know, maybe they didn't necessarily use the exact formula that you asked for. That can also be a little bit gray depending on who you, you're working with. But let's say they're honest and they do do that still. And then the production run is done. And when you receive the product, you realize that this is nothing like your formula. It's incredibly different. And to you, this is unacceptable. It's going to be hard to get them to redo 20,000 units unless you pay. You know what I mean? And so what are you going to do? I know some people in the situation where it will... At that time, it would have bankrupted them to not sell them. So now they're selling inferior products and they're getting a lot of customer complaints. And people... And when you're... Especially when you're small and you're starting out, you're trying to build that customer base and you're trying to build that trust And that can be lost so quickly. And even these days, it can be lost if something big happens. But especially in the beginning, there is no trust yet. You're trying to get that trust, to earn that trust, right? Um, So the upside with that is, like I said, if there's any issues, we discover it really quickly. And it also, you know, maybe it sounds a little bit corny, but it's also that like, it's like, um, I'll describe it. If you're having a really amazing glass of wine, because you went to a winery and you get to meet the makers and they tell you their story and you see how passionate they are. Or if you go to an amazing restaurant and you meet the people who are making that food and that you can just see how much love and passion they put into something. It just makes it so much better, right? The food tastes better. The wine tastes better. And I think same with the products. Like we really, really care about every aspect of our business. And so does our team, even especially our team. Now they're all women. Mine's my husband. Uh, but they we all kind of forget that he's there sometimes because half the conversations at work are just about menstrual cycles. But um, anyways, uh, they're almost pickier than us. Like so many times one of the girls will come up and be like, I don't think we can sell this, and there's nothing there, you know, it's almost like they're seeing things, but they're almost pickier than us, and it's because they care. And so I definitely feel like people can, I guess, sense that when they receive our products, you know, we really pack them carefully we really try to make sure that we want our package to be the highlight of their week, you know, and people buy so much stuff online these days. I do too. I'm very guilty of that. And so I, I know what it feels like, for example, when you spend some extra money because our products aren't cheap, right. But it's also because of the process of what it takes to make our products. But I know how it feels like when you shell out some cash to buy something really special for yourself and then it shows up and it's like, there's no, there's you know, it's like loose in a shipping box, and it's all like crumpled up, and there's not, there's no note, and it just feels very cold, and it just feels like I spent a lot of money. Like you know, everybody of course has different thresholds of what makes them a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to spending, or maybe not even uncomfortable, but where they feel like they deserve something a little bit extra. And then when you get that, it's it's a bit disappointing, and it for sure affects how you're going to perceive that brand and how you're going to perceive the products. Maybe now it's going to give you a slightly negative view. And now that affects how you feel like the efficacy of the products are, even though maybe the products work fantastic. Right. Uh, so we just want to make sure that when they get our products, that it's kind of the highlight of their day or their week and they get excited and the unwrapping process is fun. And then of course, once they use the products, they'll discover very quickly how awesome they are, but yeah, it's really important to me and to our team. So,
0: have your sales shifted to be um, balanced between online and and wholesale, or have you still really like leaned into the wholesale distribution that you've built over the years?
1: I think in recent years, mostly due to COVID, we've definitely been shifting a little bit more when it comes to direct to consumer, and so. It is, it has been like a nice, healthy growth. With that being said, we definitely do value our retailers and our distribution channels as well. I like both. I really do. I don't really see us ever being like trying to be a solely DTC brand. I don't see that happening. And I think there's, it, it can be such a great win-win relationship when you're in the right doors as well. You have, you know, they're introducing new customers to your products and, us being a small brand, especially now when most things are open again, you have like boots on the ground or whatever you want to call it. You have people in their stores that can actually talk to them face-to-face, guide them on how to try out our products. And those are things that we can't do face-to-face being a small company. Being a small company, I can't have a sales rep at every location. Of course, you can do things on social media and whatnot, but that type of personal one-on-one Um, kind of relationship building and also just education when it comes to our products, I think is really invaluable.
0: How long did you end up still running your uh, design and development business? And do you still do any of that on the side, like more so for uh, fun and yeah, just to like keep flexing the muscle?
1: (laughs) Uh, not for me. I stepped away as soon as I could, and I loved the design aspect. But our clients were very corporate clients, so there was no. I was I was designing business and service systems. You know, it it was not pretty. Um, so I didn't think it was that fun, and um, I was I was ready to go. <laughs> and so, of course, we've gotten approached a lot not so much in recent years, but especially in the beginning when I was meeting other brand founders and we found out that we actually built our own site. And one thing that people don't realize is when you look at our site on the front end, yes, it's nice and pretty, but we have a very, very complex backend system because of my husband's capabilities. Uh, that system in itself, let's just say that that is something that we could probably entertain or do that at a at a different date it's very extensive probably the equivalent of at least two or three full-time employees you know what i mean so much is automated so much is in that system we have an out like everything from influencer outreach systems to just there's a lot going on and so that i'm really grateful for because i think that was one of the reasons that we were able to even be able to start living off of you know what we made from the business earlier than later Because for a lot of businesses, it takes several years to be able to do that. We, for us, it took about two, two and a half years, two and a half years. In two and a half years, you could actually start living off it, like paying all all of our bills. At the two-year mark, we could start taking a little bit out, you know. It was almost like brochure money. But at the two and a half-year mark, it was like, okay, we can really live off of this.
0: So amazing. Uh, What did it feel like when you made the jump to working on the brand full-time?
1: Um, it was definitely a sense of relief. It's despite being, I'm very type a, and despite being able to push through quite a bit, quite a bit of things, I think doing sports has taught me to have thick skin. Uh, I've always, I think because of the way my parents raised me, even though when I was young, I was a little bit reckless with money because you know, you're young. And also I was fortunate enough where my parents were still paying for most things when I was in school. And I'm very grateful for that, but it doesn't teach you a real appreciation for money. However, despite that, my parents still growing up with that foundation, like they never like always, they always spent less than they made. And that was something, despite not having a, a great appreciation of money when I was really young, I, I understood that part. And so for me, the first couple of years, I was stressed out of my mind about money. I just didn't show it. And it, everyone has different thresholds. We were never in the red during those two years. Because we were so scrappy. As soon as we felt like we were starting to run short, we would look for other projects to do, look for other work. Uh, but it was stressful. And of course, once again, I, everyone has a different threshold. I'm sure some people in that same situation would not be stressed unless they're, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt. You know what I mean? Uh, we never really had to go into that, but that's also because, especially myself, I'm a calculated risk taker. I'm not a giant risk taker. And um, so And that's one of the reasons, for example, like when the shutdown happened with COVID, that we were actually okay, because we had been running the business, whether you want to call it conservatively or not, I would just say carefully. And so we've never taken any huge risks. And I'm really actually still in retrospect glad that we haven't, because there were a few opportunities where, once again, being more naive within the industry that I thought was like, oh my gosh, almost too good to be true, but like, oh gosh, we have to jump on this. But that voice in the back of my head, I guess, intuition or fear was like, this seems too risky. And I'm really glad there were a few things we didn't do early on because it would have bankrupted us for sure. And it, it actually bankrupted certain brands, brands that I didn't know, but I saw afterwards, but it took like six to six, 12 months. And once again, won't mention specifics, nothing legal or shady, very legit things, but they're just as a brand, when you're not big enough, it's a huge financial risk. And if it doesn't pan out, you're kind of screwed. Uh, and so. And even to this day, like everything from online marketing to anything, we are more careful. We are more careful because I think COVID is a perfect example that sometimes you just can't anticipate. It's like a black swan black swan event. You can't anticipate it happening and it just changes your whole life. And I've seen so many businesses shut down the past couple of years. And so and I'm incredibly grateful that we're not one of them, but it's a very sobering reminder that you don't want to constantly just be focused on sales either. You know, especially when you're, when you're self-funded like us, having a good profit margin is really important. It's really important. And it's great to, you know, prepare for the the celebratory days. And you're not, you know, I don't, I'm not saying you should always prepare for a rainy day, but yeah, it's just it, to each their own. You know, it's just the way we run things. And I am still glad that. We do, because I don't think we would exist today if we didn't. Yeah.
0: Looking back since even before you launched the brand, is there any advice that you would give yourself that maybe would have uh, helped you in the earlier days?
1: Uh, Don't stress so much over things. I, I still have to remind myself about that these days. I, I'm probably, my husband would say this for sure. I'm definitely my own worst critic. So I'm super, super hard on myself. Uh, And so I have a tendency where when I reach a goal, I kind of forget that I set the goal and I'm already focused on the next one. And I forget to celebrate the prior goal that I was really excited to reach before, but then suddenly have temporary amnesia and pretend, not pretend, but honestly don't remember being that excited about reaching that goal. Uh, So I would say definitely try to enjoy and celebrate you know, milestones and set set small milestones so it doesn't feel too overwhelming. And then one thing I would definitely say to not just myself but anyone is just like, no does no doesn't mean never. It Often just means not yet. You know what I mean? Like that's something that one of the biggest things. And I'm I was fortunate enough having a sports background and having a natural personality that I don't like getting no as an answer. Not because I'm trying to be bratty. It's more just. I almost see that as a challenge. Like, oh, okay. you said, no, well, we'll see about that. And guess what? A lot of them end up saying yes later. I think it's just good to be, you don't want to be annoying, of course, but persistence is key. And sometimes it's not the 50th email. Sometimes it can be literally the 300th email. And things happen weird in weird waves as well. You know what I mean? With anything. Like I remember when I was doing a lot of the emailing, sometimes there would be like four or five days where I hardly got any responses. And then all of a sudden I wake up one morning and I get a bunch of them. And so you won't really know unless you just keep going. And so I think, I think and I think it's, and like I said, everyone has their, a different route because we had to boot, because we bootstrap and we chose that route, we had to do a lot more things ourselves and we had to be a lot more scrappy. But I would say, even if you start off right from the start, when it comes to investors, Whatnot. I think it's still good to be relatively careful with your spending. You know what I mean, and especially because when you have investors on board, that's other people's money you're spending. There's consequences. You know, you start wildly spending in ways that don't produce results, and not only are there, those investors going to disappear on you, but they're going to before they disappear on you, they're going to be very angry with you, and there's consequences to that too. Uh, and, Duff, I would say. Of course, you have the sayings like surround yourself with the right people and everything. But I also think it's important sometimes to remember that even though somebody really loves you and it can be a family member or a close friend, sometimes they'll give you advice that's not in your best interest. And it's not because they're trying to hurt you. It's because of their own past, whether it be trauma or bad experiences that made, them, made them more jaded. And I think it's sometimes also good to trust your own intuition because I had people in my life that are very close to me and I know love me very much. But they definitely discouraged me from being an entrepreneur. They told me that money doesn't grow on trees and you know you don't take big risks and like everybody fails and those things. And they didn't, they said it because they wanted to protect me and to shield me from disappointment and failure and sadness. But the thing is, if you really, if you're, if you're willing to work for it and you really believe in it, even if for some reason that what, wouldn't have, have worked out. You're going to learn so much from it and it could open another door. I've had that happen to friends where they had a failed business and it actually led them to what they were meant to do next. I did not expect to have a lip care, hand care, and you know, now skincare brand. I did not expect that at all. And guess where it all started? Technically, it started because I got sent to a tomato farm. Actually, that's kind of all how it all started. And I'm really glad I got sent to that tomato farm because it's just so weird how things happen in life. you know. And so I think, yeah, and so I think once again, I'm not trying to say like, be careful who you're, you know, what your family say, but sometimes they say it and with the utmost amount of love and care, but sometimes they're wrong and it's okay sometimes to realize that a loved one or a family member, the advice that they give you is not right for you. You know, you are not them and you have different personality types, different experiences, just different skill sets. And sometimes. They're not right. You know?
0: So Yeah, I totally agree. I think also it's interesting like the uh continued learning, just like picking oh, yeah. up new skills, like how valuable those ended up being to you, even though you didn't know where they were going to take you in the beginning or how you were yeah. using them.
1: And with the internet these days, it really is amazing how much information you have access to and that you can learn from. And even just not. If we're not even counting the internet, like things that people can do that. And I, I'm not saying I'm perfect because I have my slip ups, like a uh, holiday season, this past holiday season, I was watching too many things on Netflix after work. I will totally fess up to that. And after f- a couple of weeks, I was like, okay, I need to get back to my regular routine. Cause usually what I, ha- I do, or I try to do, but fail sometimes is I try to get off all devices by eight and then read. And then I need a lot of sleep. So I'm in bed by like nine 30. So read till about nine. And then I have my winding down routine where I like to do my skincare. And I like to do random things where my husband is just leaves me. Cause he's like, I don't know what you're doing in there. thinks He, sometimes he's like, Oh, you're taking so long. Like, are you cloning yourself or something? But I'm just do my skincare on wine or I do some derma rolling or gua sha. And I have my little, you know, wind down time, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's for me really important because even if my, my day was really tough, if I just do some reading at the end of the day, and it doesn't always have to be business related books. I read all types of books, mostly nonfiction though. Um, like right now I'm re- reading a book on rental properties. It has nothing to do with our business. I just like feeling that I learned something new at the end of the day. So even if the day didn't go it's like, like I said, it's even more important when I feel like the day didn't go the way I wanted it to, or the day was really stressful. I, I really do my best not, not to make it worse. Like when I was in my twenties that I would, I would just go and, and yeah, especially early twenties, if I had a really hard day, I would just be like, well, let's go get drunk. Seriously. I'd be like, I would text one my girlfriends, be like, meet me at the bar, pre-order my wine, get the big glass. Like we're going to go to the bar where they're very generous. We don't want those stingy glass pours and give me a big glass of wine and we're going to get wasted. That's what I did. I'll totally fess up to it. It's not like I'm perfect. And I did stupid things where I wake up the next morning and I'm missing a lot of money when I check my balance because I bought everybody tequila shots at the bar. Because that's a great idea when you've had a lot of drinks. And wow. my husband's like, I tried to stop you, but you're so aggressively happy when you're drunk. And you're like, no, everyone's going to love it. Uh, I've done those things. But now I'm almost 34. And I, I, I don't do that anymore. I actually hardly drink these days. And... If I'm feeling down or if I've had a hard day, I do my best to try to turn it around. And oftentimes it's not even related to, to work. It's actually oftentimes the best thing that for me I, that I can do is to step away from it and just focus on something else. So yeah, I like reading, uh, cuddling honestly helps a lot. Sometimes I just, I just need a hug and sometimes I need a hug for like 30 minutes. So I'll just go up to my husband and I'll be like, I need a cuddle, uh, Oh, and one thing that works really well, but I haven't done it as much lately because of COVID. I do like punching things, but um, with consent, like bags, and then people with consent, like classes. I don't go up randomly and punch people, but I do really love love, like boxing.
0: I love how casually you say that. I also love punching things.
1: Yeah, I love, I'm obsessed with MMA, but I I just did it for fun. So I did like kickboxing and a little bit of like Muay Thai classes. And my husband used to do a lot of jujitsu, but not so much these days, Uh, but I want to say consent is like one thing I learned because I went to a couple of fight gyms in Melbourne and in the States, like in Melbourne, no one made me sign a consent form or anything. There's, you just go to the gym you just fill up, you know, sign up and you're fine here. You, they give you forms. Like you have to say, you know, I don't know if they're liability forms, but you're basically consenting that if someone accidentally injures you, it's not the gym's fault. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. Like with consent, it's not like I'm, you know, you walk up and, And gyms these days, they're very, especially in the States, they're really strict. If you're a beginner like me and you're sparring with someone, they will not let you hit each other hard. Especially if you're going to hit anywhere here, They'll make sure that you have like at least a mouth guard, if not, you know, headgear, which is like a total tangent. but I love that because that's such a great stress reliever. Try to be angry after you've punched some, like something or someone for an hour, you don't have it in you. Like it's all gone. It's so nice. Like I was I was like beyond chipper and happy after every class. I was like basically like, you know, just super chipper and bouncy and happy. So I always encourage a lot of my girlfriends to do. I think it's I think it's like a nice healthy outlet and yoga is too. Of course, yoga is good too. The opposite of punching people, uh, that is also very nice. Um, but I prefer the, the punching. It's really is, there, nice. it's is there
0: anything like product launch wise or anything like that coming up from the brand? That you're super excited about
1: well we recently launched two face oils which is really exciting that was actually years in the making but when covid hit we just scrapped it because we knew that it was going to be our most expensive launch yet and now we were able to properly do it right and this fall we are very likely to continue foraying into the skincare category and that's kind of all i'm gonna say right now but it it will be stuff most likely that you put on your face <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> to be as vague as possible but um but yeah and i'm I'm really excited about those ones as well we're working on them right now we're kind of putting the finishing touches but once again I, we'll see what happens like i say that we're gonna launch it but if something were to happen I, I have no issues putting it on the back burner and waiting six months or waiting a year either so
0: I love what you've built and also just like the process of bootstrapping and being super intentional about how you've built it so far and uh, keeping everything in house is just such a unique way of doing it.
1: Thank you.